podcast has bad words. <laughs> Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'll be fine without it Ryan, this podcast may be monitored or recorded for quality assurance purposes. <laughs> Please stay on a brief hold after your phone call to take a survey to let us know how we did. After this podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's like, no, nah, delete. I happened to me this morning. I was uh, doing some stuff with my health insurance. They're like, you've been randomly selected. So patrons, you've been randomly selected to listen to this podcast. And by randomly, I mean it just showed up in your inbox or your feed. And thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks for listening to us. Thanks for your patronage. We're going to talk much appreciated. We're going to talk about branding today. And um, man, I've got an article. Before we get into this uh, more about less and, mm-hmm. and argue about this article, <laughs> um, come at me, bro. Come at me, bro. Uh Man, I had a, a, a colonoscopy on Friday. Oh, yeah, like top and bottom, right? Yeah. They, did, so, did they go in at the same time and then touch tips, like in the middle somewhere in your intestines? <laughs> a little du- double penetration. <laughs> they spit uh, roasting you. <laughs> <laughs> I want to edit that out. <laughs> uh, no, nah, this is Patreon. They, uh, <laughs> oh, that's right. We get to experiment with this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, no, it was top and bottom. So, they, they knocked me out for it. Um, yeah, yeah they, of course. They... they uh, which I didn't know if they were going to um, until the week of or yeah. the, the, just a couple of days before. They called me with like the here's how much it's going to cost you because you know your, your insurance you're not at your deduct- deductible yet. Mm. Here's what it's going to cost you. And by the way, do you want to the anesthesia? Yes, I, of course. That immediately I said yes. Yeah. And, uh, well, that'll cost a separate fee. And um, you know within seconds i was just out they're like here put this little tube in your mouth and <laughs> count backwards from 100 no they didn't even try no like, you're just done all of a sudden i woke up uh, and i c- couldn't remember like, i woke up um in the sort of uh, recovery area yeah and when i woke up i was apparently flirting with the nurse uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey megan um and uh bex was there too yeah and um I just couldn't like you, you're so out of it. I asked Megan her name like at least three times. That's hilarious. And I'm like, I already asked you that, didn't I? <laughs> and I'm like, was I singing it at all during during the uh, the the surgery? Because apparently Bex's mom had had a colonoscopy, and they don't then when they just do the colonoscopy, I guess they don't put you out all the way or whatever. <laughs> but she was singing show tunes the entire time. They were <gasps> giving her hilarious. a colonoscopy. Yeah, that and is so funny. And uh, <laughs> I, the, the good news is I, I won't prolong this whole thing. I, I don't have stomach uh, cancer. Well, yeah, I don't. I don't know for sure about that, but um, I I don't have Crohn's or I and I don't have colitis, which the, those are the two things that we were most worried about. Okay. Um, the irritable bowel disease, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, they they go in from the top and they check out your stomach. And I have something in my stomach called gastritis, which is like just a severe inflammation. In fact, it's in two places in my stomach. Oh wow! 
in uh, uh, the stomach lining. And so that's part of what's causing the pain that I'm going through right now. That oh. coupled with uh, the SIBO mm. and, and possibly a fungal overgrowth as well, which mm. I need to be retested for. But there is some good news there. And I'm, I'm looking up. I'm still in a, a decent amount of pain. But... Um, Man, I think I think we're moving in the right direction. That's good, man. And, That's and really I'm optimistic about that. That's awesome, man. Let's dive into this more about less, Ryan. Which one are we going to go over first? Colin's article? No, or? I want to wait because we have a good question I think Colin's uh, article uh, applies to. Okay. But this guy named Mark Wilson, probably not the Mark Wilson that you and Sean and I know. Although who, it could be. Could be Mark Wilson. I think everyone has a Mark Wilson in their life. <laughs> Fast Company is the magazine uh, in which this is published. That's and the title of it is Why So Many Brands on Instagram Look the Same. Yeah. And it starts off almost with like this little poem. I don't know if you realize this, Ryan, but I'm just going to read this. And yeah. Then we'll take pauses and, and you and I can talk about it and fight mm -hmm. about it or whatever. But it starts off. To find me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just asserting my dominance. <laughs> you do it by being late. I do it by trying to fight you, mm. knowing that you won't fight me. I'm uh, I'm just calling the bluff. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm just praying every day you won't actually fight me. <laughs> All right, it starts off with this uh, soliloquy: the Casper mattress, the Allbirds sneaker, brandless mouthwash or pasta, Birchbox, Pros snow and keeps if you are living if you are a living breathing social media using human being you've probably seen these products pop up on your instagram feed they're a marketing paradox a simultaneous undersell and oversell i agree with that ryan like we think about scrolling the instagram feed yeah and some of these average it's the only place I've been where the advertisements are so compelling that you want to take action immediately. Hmm. Um, and I've talked to a few people. We, I had a, a meeting with an executive at a, a TV network recently, and she was talking about how when she scrolls through, like she buys a lot of products from Instagram, even though she knows mm. she doesn't want to. Yeah. But she feels in the moment like that thing is going to make her more complete that uh, thing's gonna make her day better happier less stressed whatever it is yeah and of course it shows up i don't know if you have this experience but um a couple of weeks ago i had various like supplements showing up for the protocol that i'm on mm. so i had like three or four boxes show up on my doorstep basically because it was just different supplement companies uh with oil of oregano and all these other things berberine <laughs> And I, I didn't know. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm such a fraud. Like, <laughs> look at all these boxes yeah. on, on my doorstep. Yeah. Uh, am I really a minimalist? Mm. But, like, I get this pang of discomfort when that stuff shows up. Mm. It's not excitement for me at mm. all. Um, I don't know if you experienced it's like, that. It's like, am I falling back? Am I am I falling back into this? Cons I, yeah, I mean, I... I don't feel bad if I've ordered a bunch of stuff and then come in different boxes. I mean, what, right, I, I'll tell you what I don't do that I guess probably alleviates me feeling that way is I don't just like, you know, uh, a drunk shop right. on Amazon. I mean, that's like that's like the joke that I always hear, the meme I always hear. Like, yeah, like your high self orders a bunch of... Uh, delicious uh, cookies or something. Right. Yeah, and they show up like two days later <laughs> with Amazon Prime and you're like, oh, thanks. Yeah. Now I have to eat these. 
Yeah, dude. No, I, I, I guess for me it's less impulse, but it's the feeling. It, it, it actually, mm. that, that's that's a good point. No, I don't feel bad about the supplements showing up in, in these boxes. I recycle the boxes, and I try to do a uh, responsible job of consuming less. But when they do show up... Mm-hmm. Because if you consume less, you, you produce less waste, right? Right. But when those things do show up, it almost like it pulls me back into the past. And I, mm. I, I get that overwhelmed feeling that I had a decade ago yeah. when I was buying things and I'm like like trying to hide how much I was consuming from the world because I was a little bit embarrassed by yeah. by it. Hmm. Like I wanted these things, but I was embarrassed that I wanted these things. But the paradox of that is maybe I should have been a little bit embarrassed that I wanted these things. Maybe, yeah. Maybe that embarrassment was actually helpful to realize, hey, there's something wrong. I, I was not... I was embarrassed that I wasn't living up to my values. I was living up to someone else's idea of what I should want. Yeah. And usually that other person's idea it was actually not a person it was an entity it was some company that was branding to me and and that's where this article comes in and says hey this instagram thing is simultaneously an undersell and oversell they offer minimal products with minimal logos so let's unpack that for a second it's an undersell Mm -hmm. because it's not so intrusive like the 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 advertisement itself is kind of minimal but it's an oversell how? It's an undersell because it, it they package these ads sort of elegantly. It's simplicity. Yeah. It's oversell because we're constantly bombarded by it. Mm. We're, we're given you know, the one product you need. Here's the best shoe. Here's the best toothpaste or toothbrush. Here's the best mattress. It's It's an oversell because it's promising something. It's seductive. Yeah, that that's actually the perfect word to describe this. So yeah. if you look up seductive, I, I think the the one of the rough definitions is promising more than what you can deliver, mm. and I think that's what these ads are doing. They're seducing us. Hmm. The exact yeah. the executive was telling me like, I I know I don't want these. In fact, when they show up, they're here's the other oversell. They're usually really cheaply made. Is right. and they're they, I think it was. Um, Oh, yeah, it was Reply All. Sean, put a, a, a link to this in the Patreon notes. Reply All is a podcast from Gimlet, uh, and they did an episode about some of these Instagram ads. Uh, I just remember this from a while ago. And pe- people buying them, like, oh, I really like that T-shirt. And you buy it, and it shows up, and it doesn't fit well, or it's the, a watch is made really, really poorly, doesn't uh, actually tell the time. Wow. So you're buying an idea. You're actually not even buying the product. Because mm. the product is never what it reports I'm to be. I'm thinking that it's so sneaky. Like, I can't even... Well, I guess I don't scroll a ton on Instagram unfollowing a lot of people helps there but like i can't even think of the last advertisement i've seen on instagram which worries me because they're obviously there right and and my brain isn't even connecting with that oh i'm being advertised to right now so when I, was, I do go through it i was on a face uh facetime call with ella mm-hmm. uh last week after my surgery um i say surgery just because that's what they called it but yeah they were sticking cameras up my we're butt. all with you <laughs> <laughs> And I was telling Ella that they stuck a camera up my butt. And she goes, gross. Yeah. But in the middle of the FaceTime call, I just started doing advertisements in the middle of it. Mm. I, I said, this this FaceTime call is brought to you by ketchup. And I just opened up like this bottle of you know, paleo ketchup. Yeah. And uh, this, it, she was like, do it again. Do another advertisement. <laughs> 
But I think that's kind of how we are. We're like, if it looks good and it's entertaining to us, Mm -hmm. uh, the Super Bowl just happened not that long ago, right? Yeah. Lame. Uh, the Su- Super Bowl I've ever seen anyway. <laughs> the, the Commercials Super- were lame too. Uh, right. It's funny because I actually do look forward to watching the advertisements during the Super Bowl because it's like when the company, they bring their best, the funniest. Mm-hmm. Anyway. And part of the reason we look forward to the advertisements is because we're kind of told to look forward to the advertisements. We're told that these are going to be the best. Yeah, it's more just nostalgia for me, man. Like the Bud Wise, or like that was like fifth grade. I mean... Yeah, it's it's like it's always been this. Um, you talk about it the next day. Oh, did you see the Super Bowl? Did you see that commercial with the frogs, the Budweiser commercial? Right. Yeah. And and that's what they're ultimately. That's what they hope to to accomplish, right? Yeah, Is you're, you're, you're talking about the thing. Yeah. Uh, I remember there was a Kia commercial this year, which was not that outstanding, but it had like this kid who was just sort of talking about like we're you know not superstars, we're not famous, but you know oh, we yeah. come. We're, we're we do incredible things and yeah. build incredible things or or, or whatever. Yeah, some and, of these commercials, like you don't even realize what they're advertising until like the very end of it. Right. But it has because I remember that when you're talking about it, it's like this very poetic, mm-hmm. very emotional, and then at the end it's like Ikea. Right. <laughs> and you see this new car they put together. To me, it was also very seductive. I'm, I don't need a new car. I have a car that works great. I really enjoy the car that I have. I'm very happy. I'm satisfied with it. Yeah. Not happy because of it. Happy with it. Yeah. And I see this new 20, 2020 Kia Telluride. And it's <laughs> like, they're like driving it through a stream. I'm like, what the hell? When I lived in Montana, I wasn't driving my uh, truck through a stream. Right. Right? Yeah. And why do I all of a sudden think I'm going to do that? Like, yeah. And by the way, you can you can do everything else that you're doing in that commercial in your Toyota Corolla that's 15 years old. Yeah. You can drive down a beautiful mountainous highway in your Toyota Corolla. And enjoy the view. Right. Just as well, yeah. Did, did you see that Craig's, Craigslist ad? Craigslist ad that... Um, uh, the guy did it for his girlfriend who was like selling his Honda or she was selling her used Honda Accord. Did y'all see this? You got to oh, find it, Sean. Do you, do you, do you so know about this, good. Jordan? Jordan no more would, would really enjoy it's this. It's like this seductive, yeah. seductive used car commercial. Yeah. Yeah. And, and basically he took her, I, I forget what the year it was. Say it was 1996 Honda Accord. It was over 10 years old. Like, right. Yeah. It, it was, it was an old vehicle and he probably did this, I don't know, five years ago or something. And, in order to sell it, he put together a like beautiful little commercial because yeah, he's was a filmmaker. Great. It was yeah, hilarious. and to me that is that is more genuine. In fact, we're going to get into this word authenticity later in this article, which mm. uh, I think it has its own problems. I'll continue here though. He said these these ads at they offer minimal products with minimal logos that somehow still speak clearly about their superiority. Some have criticized this trend as blanding. Well, here, that that can be true if you're doing the same thing for everyone. If yeah. if you take the same commercial and and plug and play for ten different um, products, yeah, ten different brands, mm-hmm. basically, you just imagine that same commercial you're talking about during the Super Bowl, where it's like inspirational. For some reason, they're like they always use Martin Luther King, which I, I really have I have a problem with because. I have an internal conflict. I think it's great that they're out there sharing this message. Uh, yeah. 
but they're also I mean it's Black History Month too so right but it's it's corporate wokeness yeah it's like using well it's like the word minimal like people how people use the word minimalist to sell I mean it's kind of disingenuous right yeah and and they're they're doing the same thing with uh with these these things but imagine you had the really great you know Martin Luther King commercial mm-hmm. but then you and you just did it t- the same commercial ten times and you just put a different brand at the end like. Yeah. Try Sprite, uh, <laughs> General Motors tagline here. Jr. Would. Right, right. <laughs> Martin Luther King and Burger King. And, and it's, yeah, it's it, dude. We should be we should be an advertising company. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, you were in marketing for a while, and yeah. and uh, man, it just doesn't feel good most of the time. Mm. Uh, so they they call this this blanding is the term, but it seems to work well on Instagram, where organic engagement which is just a vapid term organic engagement with brands is high and some 80% of users follow at least one business i think that's that's a bit misleading cuz what do you, what do you even mean by business i guess technically the minimalists is a business is a business yeah. is it's a brand but it's really just it's two guys yeah. people often think we're a band is that a business <laughs> technically yeah i mean if you follow the um the National, which is a, a great band, mm-hmm. I guess technically they're a, they're probably a business. They have their own LLC, their brand, or, yeah. yeah, right. But it's really just four guys making music. Yeah. So uh, to go on here, forty percent of millennial-aged women responding to a recent poll said Instagram was the most effective place for brands to reach them. And in this complex ecosystem of new brands and eager consumers, less seems to be more. Well. Uh, of course. I mean, here's the thing. In order to stand out in the noise, you have to not contribute to the noise. Dude, it makes me think of, um, when I was reading this article, I kept thinking of Fire, the Fire Festival, how they did the orange yeah. the orange square. That's all they did. And it was I mean, showing how, up all over the place. Yeah, like how simple, dude. And I remember when that was going on, and I just I saw a couple orange squares. But, I mean, eventually I did look at... What the heck is the orange square about? Am I missing some kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, um, am I missing out? Yeah, I, well, I, for me, it was was I missing out on some like, um, oh, I don't, you know, they do different ribbons and colors for different causes, and I'm like, oh, what right. what cause is being promoted right now? Mm-hmm. And that's why I looked into it because that's what I initially thought it was, and then I was like, oh, this is a festival that people are promoting. And it was incredibly vague, right? Yeah, like, and incredibly incredibly simple, right? And I think that I think what we're conflating here is simplicity and vagueness Mm. right i think what they're saying here with the blanding thing is they're being vague quite often about what they're selling you i mean they're they're being direct in the sense that you know that is a uh what was the all bird sneaker like that ad is for a shoe Mm -hmm. you know that they're they're being vague and otherwise like the fire festival thing was especially vague because right. you had to dig more and then in fact when you did some digging mm-hmm. even that wasn't adequate to provide you with all uh, all the knowledge that you needed to know what you were getting into even if the thing would have been legit it was still relatively vague and yeah. people who had bought tickets just felt like they weren't in the know mm. uh here's the twist each of these brands from casper to birchbox was designed by the same company the New York-based studio Red Antler. And what's more, Red Antler isn't just a design firm. It often takes a stake in the companies it works with, which speaks to its keen eye, not just for marketing, but for new business models. 
and I would just say uh, new products in general, like they, they find these businesses who are poised with the right promotion mm. to to do well. However, it says nothing about the products necessarily, because as I was mentioning with the gal that I was meeting with, a lot of the stuff that shows up is just, I mean, the Allbirds is, is, is an exception to this, but a lot of stuff that shows up is just cheap as hell. It's yeah junk you're buying junk mm -hmm. but you were sold a dream yeah uh, all right uh design firm uh, to find out more about how it tailors new businesses to the platform i went right to the source simon andres the studio's co-founder and coo and look at this giant ad for a uh, shoes right here ryan they look pretty cool yeah even in yeah. this black and white copy yeah they look I mean, they look great um and that's sort of the point right yeah um but it's also, well, let's just talk about this. So for if you're not watching, if you're watching this, uh, if you're one of the, the patrons who subscribes to the video version of this, you can see there's this little ad with these shoes in here. And let's just describe this for the people listening. It's just two different shoes, Ryan. Really simple shoes yep. on a simple background. And they're on like a... They're on branches. Tree branches. Kind of looks like maybe... What does that mean, even? Looks like maybe the um, the feeling it gives me is like these shoes uh, grew from that tree, just like these leaves. And there's even the bird nest back there to make it feel even more authentic, more organic. Uh -huh. And uh, yeah, it does a good job of, of relaying that feeling, though, of, hey, this is a simple product. This is an organic product. Nature. Right, right. <laughs> if I buy these, I'll be closer to nature. Is maybe that what it's? Yeah, maybe. Or, or uh, if I buy these, I will be, um, yes, closer to nature. Or I will be, uh, 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 you know, not affecting nature in a bad way. I'll, I'll be helping nature out somehow. Mm -hmm. You know. Right. Yeah. Okay. So it does a good job. I'm not even. Oh, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful advertisement, yeah. beautiful yeah. photo, mm -hmm. and incredibly well done. And by the way, the shoes look really nice. Yep. Um, so yeah, good for them. I, I am very happy with the Timberlands that I wear every day, and I'm going to stick with those. I'm literally barefoot right now because my flip-flops broke on the way. <laughs> I saw two flip-flops in the trash can. Those are mine. <laughs> well, Ryan, can I interest you in a pair of Allbirds? <laughs> I'd take any shoes at this point. <laughs> All right. Um, you only need one product is the, the, the title of this next section in this article. Red Antler partners with companies in their earliest days of forming their business and frequently takes equity in those businesses. The companies it partners with tend to have extremely pared down product lines, even just one product that promises to be executed very well. Selling a single product makes a lot of sense on a platform known for a feed of single photos. Mm. You don't need to, to tell a very complex story, says Andres. Whether it's a post or Instagram story, one image and caption can give you a good sense of what the product is offering. Yeah. Now that can, you can through simplicity, mm -hmm. through minimalism, through paring down, uh, communicate more effectively. I think of the Mark yeah. Twain uh, letter at the end of it. He said, "I'm sorry, this letter isn't is so long. I didn't have time to make it shorter." Mm -hmm. Now you can also be either intentionally or unintentionally vague by being too short. It's one of the things that I'm uh, constantly talking to Jessica about. She, she's our social media manager. When she sends me something to approve, like, hey, I, I used your words on this post, but I put it with this picture. And I'm always saying, like, there's too many words. There's too many words. There's too many words. Mm -hmm. um, and 
And so we do want to simplify. It's cutting whatever is extraneous. It's by far my most favorite platform is Twitter for me because I really enjoy the brevity. There are other reasons uh, as well, but mm-hmm. but for me the the brevity, especially when it was 140 characters, it was it, it forced you into like. I'm going to make this work. I'm going to have to reduce everything except yeah. the essential. Well, I mean, we're so bombarded, man, with um, advertisements, with uh, a lot of stimuli, like that That it just really gets our brains overworking. I mean, this next section of this article, people are sick of choosing. That's the truth, man. Right, and so that's take what, away the choice. Yes, and that's what these, and that's what these brands are doing. They are they are picking it for you. Mm. And quite honestly, man, like I would, if I was like at its terminus, like, you know, picking out carpet would be like super over stimulating, right? Like you got these carpet swabs and you're looking at carpet, looking at carpet, or maybe it's hardwood floor. Like I would much rather someone with a good eye Mm -hmm. come in and be like, that's the carpet for you Mm -hmm. rather than me go through, you know, 600 different beige, light beige, dark beige. <laughs> the paradox of choice. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny, when, when Bex and I were buying our couch, which by the way, I think by the time this comes out, the home tour of of our home here in California well, should be out on YouTube. Uh, I sent Jordan some, some feedback yesterday on it. But um, we were going out to pick, like, we finally found the couch that was comfortable for mm-hmm. us after you know, months of searching. And I talk about that in the video and going without a couch for a long time, etc. And... When we picked it, though, we ended up going with the fabric that was on the floor model Mm. because you have all these other swatches and it's like, well, here's one. And they're like these little tiny swatches. And even the swatch of the fabric that was there, it looked different from the big couch that's sitting there. (laughs) It's it's hard to imagine. So if you get this this little blue and gray swatch, you're like, how is that actually going to look on a eight foot couch or whatever picture, yeah. whatever the size is right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah so so um eliminating the paradox of choice is important remember when we were back in the corporate world ryan the good better best like oh we, my god in, in that you did that so you could you could move people down because there are were uh, functionally unlimited amount of choices that they right. could make while they were in one of our telecom stores yes but you wanted to present to them the good, better, best options yeah. to eliminate that that paradox of choice they've taken it one step further uh, red antler has they're saying, well, here's the best. Right. And that's it. Which, again, like, I appreciate, dude. Like, think of our favorite coffee shops. Uh-huh. I mean, one of my favorite coffee shops is in Melbourne, and it's called... Patricia. Yeah, Patricia. And it literally has three options. You've got uh, you've got white, black, and uh, espresso, basically. Right. So it's like you get a milky drink, uh-huh. you get a black coffee, or you can get an espresso drink. And it's well, like, and that's, yeah, white, black filter. Yeah, white, black filter. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. So the black drink is the espresso drink. Yeah. But my point is, is like you've got three options. If you want a milky drink, they have, you know, a variety of blends, a variety of coffees, uh-huh. and they've tasted them all. They've tested them all. Right. Here is the best milky drink you can buy. There is no other option. Uh-huh. And they do that the same with the black and with the filter. Mm-hmm. This is exactly what you want. If this is the type of, if you want a milky drink, this is the milky drink you want. If you want an espresso drink, this is the espresso drink you want. If right. you want a filter coffee, this is the filtered coffee that you want. Like, I, I love that, man. I, I think it gets me, I guess is what I'm saying, man. That yeah. simplicity, choosing for me, especially when I feel like, a place like Patricia's, I don't think every single company that takes this approach is doing this. Mm. But with Patricia's, like I do feel like they go out of their way 
to find out what the best options are. Right. And then they present them to you. It's ultimately, it comes down to, to curating. Yeah, right? absolutely. For, for me, my, my, my long uh, way off on the horizon dream, you know, you and I already own a coffee shop, but because we employ people and we have business partners, uh, we need to make sure that it earns money. Right. And, um, even the months that you and I don't make money, like we need to make sure that everyone's paid and, right. and, and uh, we're able to pay the uh, electric bill right. and, and have a budget accordingly. Yeah. But my ultimate dream is to have a shop that I don't care whether or not it makes money. And you, you just, it's one coffee. It's only black. There's no sugar. Mm. There's, there's no milk. Yeah. You show up and you have a cup of coffee. Yep. It's four here. And we're open from 6 a.m. or 5 a.m. until we run out of beans for the day. Yeah. And that is absolutely it. Yeah. There are no to-go cups. Uh, you, you will have it here. There's no Wi-Fi. Um, you, it's, there are no computers. Mm -hmm. it's, the, the, it's boiling it down to its most simple. And finding a way for that to make money, you know, we, we had to figure that out after the fact yeah. to keep the lights on. But for me, that is the... That is the essence of minimalism. Yeah. The bones are the beauty. Yeah. And, and I think you can totally do that. Agree. And that's what they're, they're that's what they're trying to affect here. Right. And sometimes it works. And by the way, I, I don't know uh, how good some of these products are. Um, Ella has a mattress. I think it's a bear mattress. Don't put a link to that in the show notes. Um, but um, like rawr or like. Yeah, I think okay. so. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it was one. Of, it's one of those online mattresses where you try it out for 100 days or whatever. Mm. But it was after reading a bunch of different reviews and, and stuff where it was like, OK, check out Casper. Like, I tried to find different people who had reviewed these beds who uh, were sort of nonpartisan. Yeah. Uh, in fact, there were there were people who had reviewed like six or seven different beds, and they talked to you about each one of them, mm -hmm. and they had some sort of affiliate code for every single one of them. So if you you knew they were getting paid regardless, yeah. But that that allowed them because they were getting paid from all of these brands, right? That allowed them to be objective mm -hmm. in a way you couldn't. Where if you're like this podcast is sponsored by blah blah blah, whatever mattress, right? Sealy yeah. or something. You know, it's in it. Like reading when I was reading this article, man, I had this daydream of like the minimalists curating the best of everything that we have in our lives to make to make that decision for people. Right. But the problem with that though is there is not one answer. That right. fits everyone <laughs> exactly. Like and, and we could say what works great for us, and isn't that, isn't that the problem of this as well? Yes. Where, where uh, you and we kind of do that in a way, like on our added value segment. Yeah. We talk about things that have added value to our lives, right? And it's not saying that it will necessarily add value to yours. In fact, if I recommend an album or a coffee or whatever, you might hate it. And if you hate it you have the warning now, like this is something I found value in. Yeah. And maybe if your tastes are similar to mine, then 70, 80% of the time, you will have a similar taste with yeah, the things that add value to We've got very similar tastes, man, but there's a lot of things that we differ on. Right, it's a Venn diagram, yeah. right? And all of us, anyone listening or, uh, to this or watching this has a Venn diagram with us. The question is, what what percentage? Maybe right. it's 10% overlap. Maybe it's 99% overlap. You, uh, you, know, you, you can figure that out. Um, our friend Carl did a like a, a website called minimal list it's spelled really strange uh so carl who runs our side project with us minimalism.life um 
which if you want to follow uh, something beautiful on Instagram that isn't an ad, yeah. uh, just follow Minimalism Life on Instagram. Yeah, it's gorgeous. And he, he and Albert do a phenomenal job of, of curating beautiful photography yeah. and uh, putting some of our words with it, some of our, our um, minimal maxims as well. It's funny. I'll be like, you know, on Instagram uh-huh. and I'll see a really beautiful picture. I'm like, oh, wow, this is amazing. Who is this? And it usually ends up being minimalism. I'm like, oh, this is ours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or it's Jessica. <laughs> right. you know, what, what Jessica does with, I mean, if you go to the minimalist Instagram, we try to do this. Uh, actually, I'm, I'm going to talk about that in a second because he, he talks about this word authentic and and I'm, we're going to get back to that. But no. the, the, the section you were talking about, Ryan, people are sick of choosing, so take away the choice. The American Psychological Association found that millennials, a.k.a. people between 18 and 35. Basically, it's people who graduated after the the year 2000 or, or, or beyond. I forget what I, I... We're millennials, technically. No, so, so we graduated in 99. So okay. we are technically not millennials. We get lumped in that, that group sometimes. Yeah, I was going to say, because I was watching something the other day, and it was like, if you're born... Be, you know, between 1980 and a certain year, then sure, yeah, yeah. It, so it, it just depends on what study you're reading, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and who the demographer yes, is. Yes, and what is convenient for those demographers to use. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Do do I want it? Because you and I are 37. Right. We'll both be 38 this year. Yeah. And they're like, do we want to market to people who are almost 40? Um. Or like, um, well, okay. Here, so here they're calling millennials 18 to 35. 35. Yeah. Right. And um. So. Yeah, we're right on the cusp. In fact, uh, the term that is often used by demographers is zillennials, mm. like gen- Generation X slash millennial between 77 and 83. Yeah. It's like this this small group of people who weren't born into using the internet in high school. Um, all right, so um, more stress than any other generation. That's especially true, man. Uh, it's unbelievable. Johan Hari was talking about this, how... Your average teenage girl, and this terrifies because I have Ella, and she'll be a teenager in eight, in seven years. She turns six. You soon. got plenty of time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> End of the world to be here before then, Josh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Sean, uh, Sean, can I borrow your shotgun? Um, no, so um, the 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 thing that I, I'm worried about, man, is Johan Hari cited this study. Uh, he did a book about meaning. Um, and the sort of crisis we're going through with the opioid epidemic. It's a, it's a epidemic of of. Well, he's the meaning. dude. Uh, he did the interview with Sam Harris, right? Yeah, yeah, that's where yeah. I first heard him. Yeah, he's yeah he's got a lot of cool things to say. But anyway, uh, specifically, well, the thing he talked about on that interview with uh, with Sam Harris is your average teenage girl has the same levels of measurable levels of anxiety as a person who's in a mental a mental institution in the 1950s. That's dude. That is because of all the stimuli, man. Yes, it is. Yeah, that is. Um, that's really sad. In fact, this. The sentence that you're going on to read, man, like this is what... Read it. it uh, yeah, it, I mean, it just goes on. To, it continues to say, uh, with more than half of subjects reporting that they've lain... Lain? Is that like the past participle of... <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, it's the past participle of, of lay. They've lain awake at night in the last month with anxiety. Dude. Well, haven't you? <sighs> I... I guess. I mean, to say no, it would. I don't remember the last time I laid, I lay awake. I remember <laughs> me. It was two fifty a.m. this morning. Eventually, I just got up at three a.m. Damn, dude. And um, yeah, I don't. Know, I I mean, I get. I have anxiety about my health right now, and yeah. and so that's a little bit different. Yes, but 
it's all this contributes to it. I don't have Instagram on my phone because it makes me more anxious. I don't have Twitter on my phone because it makes me more anxious. It's even though I get value from Twitter. Yeah. I mean, I can think like the last Mother's Day, for example. I'm like, you know, scrolling on Instagram and I see everyone posting pictures of their mom. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, I need to post a picture of my mom. Now I'm compelled to. Now I'm compelled to. But, but you know, I guess I'm using that as an example. Like, I mean, that's the last time I can remember social media or, uh, you know, just something compelling me to do something because I felt like I had to. Um, I can only imagine people who are on their, you know, phones for half the day. They're picking it up 300 times a day. That, causing that anxiety mm -hmm. feeling compelled to do oh man look at so-and-so they're on this nice trip i need to go on a nice trip mm. so i can take pictures of it and show people that i went on a nice trip right yeah and what's the the drake line from his newest yeah. album like i knew i know a girl who's happily mar married until she puts away her phone yeah and and we're like we're we're showing so so i, I here's the problem there's a difference between putting your best foot forward and lying <laughs> and, right and and, yeah. and creating fantasy even right yeah. um uh, look i think i think our our lives are shaped by our values mm -hmm. our values inform our actions our actions create our beliefs it's, mm. and often it's the other way we think it's the other way around right we believe well i'll be more complete if i buy this mattress or whatever here's what's gonna happen guaranteed guaranteed this is gonna happen a hundred times it's gonna happen okay guaranteed okay a <laughs> hundred times when you when 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 jordan no more posts the house tour yeah 50% of the people are going to miss the point of the house tour yeah. and, and the whole uh, monologue that I give during this house tour uh, about the things that are appropriate for me. And the first thing you're going to say is they're going to say, where'd you get your bookshelf? Where'd you get your couch? And it's like, yeah. oh no. And the same thing happened with, uh, with our documentary. Like yeah. when the biggest thing was like, where's your bag from? Yeah. The, the packed bag. Yeah. You think, I mean, <sighs> I mean, it'll be a large percentage. Well, I don't. I don't think know. it's. I. I think a lot of the patrons get it, and, yeah. and that, the, the audience we're talking to right now, it's not going to be fifty percent of them. Yeah. It's going to be fifty percent of the casual people mm. who are going to come in and say, uh, "Oh, how do I consume what you're consuming to live a simple life?" Yeah. That's not what a simple life is. Right. Consuming intentionally is what the simple life is. Yeah, because some people legitimately need a couch or they need a dining room table and if they are happen to be in that spot in their life and they see yours mm -hmm. oh wow it looks really nice but to your point though i mean if a hundred people ask you where did you get that couch it's going to be a small percentage of people who actually need a couch right now right yeah and, and then are they are they actually going to question the thing i talk about in the video is like we went months without a couch and Ella didn't notice it once. Mm -hmm. She didn't say anything. She mm -hmm. just ran around the empty space. It was awesome to her. And we got a couch. She thinks it's awesome because she likes jumping on it. So I let her jump on the couch and mm -hmm. and you know we fly her around the living room and like she enjoys that, but she could care less about the brand. Here here's a here's a good example of that. My mattress is the best mattress I've ever owned. 
mm-hmm. for me. It's the firmest mattress I've ever owned. I have a really bad back. And for me, the most firm mattress is really important. I think I got it from someplace in Missoula. I don't even remember the name of the place. Yeah. Um, but I couldn't tell you the brand of the mattress. Hmm. Brand doesn't matter. The question, and by the way, you would probably hate my mattress. Mm. It's not going to work well for you because it's too firm. It's too yeah. firm for you, but it works well for me. And so you have to figure out what works well for you. And like you said, we can sort of put out a list of here are the things that add value to us, but always with the caveat mm. of bad value to us just our perspective exactly well i think the mistake people make going back to what you were kind of saying is when people look at you josh they think wow like josh is a really happy guy he he is really got his life together mm. so when they look at your bookshelf when they look at your couch when they look at your dining room table there is something in i think it's all of humanity that says oh josh this is part of his happy life is having these things. And if I can get these things, then I'll be a little bit closer to being happy like Josh. Mm. And I think that's where we make the biggest mistake is Absolutely. yeah, trying to trying to equate owning a certain thing that somebody else owns who we look up to to try and be more like them. I mean, that is uh that's the that's a mistake we all make, I think at some point. Right, because it, it, I used to make it all the time. There there's I remember um Do you remember the Reebok pumps? That's a great example. Oh, I, yeah, I had a pair. Yeah, dude, me too. Yeah. And like they were I, I wore I wore the Charles uh the Barclays. Uh-huh. Remember those, man? Yeah, I had the Sean Kemp's the Reeboks. <laughs> yeah. Reebok was my my shoe of choice as a kid. Yeah. I mean, it's just like they've, you know, advertising does a good job of saying, "Hey, do you like Charles Barkley?" you could be a little bit closer to being just like him if you get these shoes. <laughs> right. When yeah. You'll never be Charles Barkley unless no. you're Charles. I mean, he was uh, an anomaly. Mm-hmm. Just like every, all, all, what, 450 players in the NBA are all anomalies. Yeah. They're the best basketball players in the world. Mm-hmm. Donovan Mitchell, who plays for the Utah Jazz, won the slam dunk contest, contest last year during the All-Star game. He's 6'2". He's my height. Wow. And, I mean, I can't dunk. I've never been able to dunk. Yeah, no, me either. My brother's an inch shorter than me, and he was dunking in seventh grade, right? Yeah. He just had different genes from me and and was able to... So it was his pair of jeans that got him to jump high. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me borrow those jeans. All right. A lot of millennials are just sick of having to make a decision. They want to do other things in their lives, says Andres. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, com- so let, let's move on here. A, a company sells a single solution that sells a single solution is a radical departure from convention in most industries where competitors have stri- striven. Now, I would say strived. I think strived is the past participle of stri- uh, uh, strive. Striven? How would you pre- even pronounce that? I just looked at you or Sean for... So whatever yeah, you guys I'm think. I'm looking at podcast. Sean knows more than Mark Wilson. I'm certain of this. Striven. All right. Uh, competitors have striven to offer more, not fewer options. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's true. I mean, uh, think of uh, Amazon, but Amazon does so in a way that still r- simplifies it. People who have bought this also bought this. Yeah. 
Now, this is, I wrote this down, Ryan. This to me is the success of simplicity. When you do this well, sell a single solution. If you simplify, and, and I'm constantly asking this question of you, of Sean, of Jordan, of Jess, is how do we simplify this? How do we simplify this and yeah. still convey what we're trying to convey? Because if you can simplify it, you can actually convey what you're trying to convey better by taking up less of their time. You're wasting less time. Mm. You're asking for less of their attention. You're actually giving something to to the audience. And also, by the way, we're you know we're not doing advertisements. You mentioned earlier, Ryan, um, about these these advertisers. Well, you you mentioned about feeling compelled to do what other people are doing. Mm-hmm. We, we see the the vacation and I feel compelled to be on that vacation now. I think the same thing's happening with these advertisers, with these brands, right? Yeah. They see these other people, other brands who are just conglomerates of people, right? Um, they see these brands advertising in this particular way and they feel, comp- I have to do that. Yeah, we have to do that in order to be successful. We we need to do what other people are doing, as opposed to figuring out what our own path is. There's so much noise out there in older industries, ones that haven't been poked and prodded into the new world, and it's a race to the bottom, says Andres, explaining that this clean business strategy is quote a way to quiet down the space to give you a curated selection of choices, implying a, a lot of time was spent thinking about the things that maybe you don't need Dude, this to. advertisement, I'll hold it up for the camera. It's it's the same ad company, mm-hmm. different product. Some sort of lotions or... Yeah, but it's still, yeah, it's lotions, but it still has this, um, it still has this natural feel with the vase. It's very elegant vase, very right. simple vase with this, this flower is coming out of the back. Mm-hmm. It's like, the, again, it's like this... Uh, to me, it, it says something about nature. Like, if you want to bring nature into your home, if you want to have a more natural life. I think, uh, f- who is the, the French sort of writer, uh, not French, uh, German? Goethe? Does that sound right? I don't know. But anyway, he, he talked about how um, stripping, the w- stripping away a lot of the, the excess color, mm-hmm. like how color can be uh, overbearing and savage in, in a way, it, it, and that's why when you go into a, a museum, it tends to be stark with not a whole lot of colors, some, maybe some simple pastels or yeah. it's toned down and it's not rainbow bright. If a piece of art is rainbow bright, then it really stands out right. in the space. But I think that's kind of what we're looking at here. They, they've realized they, they, they've realized this, um, the the aesthetic of simplicity and they're using that aesthetic to sell as as opposed to what you and I use it for which is to communicate yeah how do we strip down to the essence to communicate something more effectively yeah. now they're obviously trying to communicate but they're trying to get you to to buy a product at the end of the day right all right so uh, fast clean and light is the next section here the new generation of instagram first startups tends to have quippy names with ultra simple sans serif word marks in this sense they actually have a lot in common with digital brands like Google, Airbnb, and other tech industry brands that are looking more similar. Uh, I saw this uh, this like mashup of different logos, Ryan. It was um, Microsoft and Google, and um, what's the the text? Um, uh, what, what, WhatsApp. The, the, no, I like WhatsApp. Um, um, Slack. 
Mm, yeah, used it. the Slack logo, the Microsoft logo, the Google logo, and a, one other logo. And they were all essentially the same logo, the same four right, colors. Yeah. And it's interesting how all of these are, are starting to look the same. And he goes on to say, uh, I guess things are clean, and the reason is that we want them to be digitally innate. Now, I'm actually seeing an opposite trend, Ryan. I don't know if you've noticed this. Yeah. With uh, a lot of the billboards of like the really coolest things that are cutting edge cool stuff that like... Are you talking about all the weed billboards in Los Angeles? No, those are real simple. (laughs) I'm talking about like music. Like I saw a Juice World um, billboard. He's like a really famous rapper. And it looks like something from 1992. It's Mm. real busy and Mm. it's kind of ugly and it gives you this sort of at-home made feel. Mm. Looks like a giant poster board or something. Uh, Trippy Red's new album cover was really, really, really busy. Okay. Um, And so I think you're seeing the rebellion against this sort of minimal uh, approach corporate minimalism right you're seeing rebellion against corporate minimalism again dude different product red antler it's a casper mattress more nature right it's crazy and and that one is effective because it communicates a lot look we we're able to fit this mattress in this tiny box it's Mm -hmm. able to show up at your door you don't have to go out shopping for it you get to test it in your home but also this will make your home a gorgeous McMansion somewhere in Beverly Hills. Yeah. Um, if you just own this, if you own this mattress, right? It'll make it'll make your home Instagram worthy. It's interesting to me though how like in all three of these photos, like nature is brought out. It's in some way, and somehow nature speaks to simplicity. I, I guess yeah. I mean that makes sense. Right. I mean you, you yeah. think about you think about the. Well, you think about uh, Thoreau in particular, right? I mean, we, we often think of the modern day simplicity movement, um, maybe dating back to someone like Thoreau or Emerson. And a lot of what they they did was a, a nature immersion, not removing yourself from society, but also making sure that nature was was nearby. Like I walked here today, as an example, and I always walk through the sort of back streets to get here and I'm walking through a lot of nature and I feel better about that walking in the sun through nature than if I'm just walking through a, par- a dark parking garage yeah it, f- it feels better yeah. and that's what they're trying to affect with this yeah. and so um, toward the end of this I'm just going to skip ahead to this last section here because we pretty much covered the difference between simple and bland um, the last section is are we reaching peak Instagram But while the simplicity and clarity of brands like Casper were revolutionary, it seems inevitable that many more companies will copy the same play. How many perfect objects does one (laughs) consumer need? What a good question. (laughs) Now, next week, we're actually going to talk about uh, (laughs) Only the true fans will get that answer. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to talk about products. I think it's it's sort of the sister episode to this episode we're recording today. But what a... I think that is the question to ask. How many perfect objects does one consumer need? And the answer is actually in the question. There's no such thing as a perfect object. Right. And that's unfortunately what is being, that's what's being sold to us in these images. Yep. Perfection. Yeah. And no wonder we're disappointed every time. Even if we really get value from the thing, if we were expecting perfection, 
it's always going to lead to discontent. We're always going to be wanting. How many companies can present themselves as the final rung on the ladder to absolute health and happiness before we realize that it's all still just stuff? That's exactly right. It Amen. is. Thank you, Mark Wilson, because it is all just stuff. Now, as a minimalist, I like owning fewer things, so the things I do own tend to be better quality. Sometimes that means it costs more because I'm paying for something that's locally made or made in the United States or, or made in accordance with my values, which we'll be able to talk to in a moment with some of the questions. But it just means that I'm more deliberate with the things that I bring into my life, but also deliberate with the things that I hold on to. And I think that's important. We, we buy these things in hopes that... I'm going to use this mattress for the next 10 or 20 years. Yeah. Uh, I, Bex was just getting her Patagonia jacket uh, fixed, and she's had it for almost 20 years at this point. Wow. She's 36 years old and has had this jacket since she was a teenager. That's awesome. And has had it repaired a few times. I It might not be able to be repaired at this point. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, you're, if you're thinking about that kind of lifestyle cycle as opposed to like, well, I'm going to wear this for... Uh, uh, one-time use, like mm -hmm. an H&M sort of thing, right? Yeah. I hear H&M, like 160 of their stores are going out of business. Is that right? Is it? Did, did you hear about that? No offense, know. but thank God. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, well, I mean, because they are, they're adding to the problem of this just mass consumption <laughs> and selling something that they can never actually give it, give someone. Right, and and they're, they're adding to the problem of throwaway clothes. Yeah, the fast fashion, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, I mean, we, one of the many problems we have with, yeah, we did a whole segment about that in our documentary minimalism and fast fashion. Uh, some of these companies will, they have 52 seasons now. I mean, they get in a whole new shipment of clothes, a new season every week and they take the old clothes quite often, cut them up, throw them in a dumpster, which is crazy because that is, I mean, that is the tax system incentivizing them to cut their clothes up mm -hmm. if they donate them or give them away they don't get the write-off mm. so i mean it kind of goes back to what we were talking about on the last podcast with you know what what do we incentivize right yeah yeah and you know? and part of that has to do with, with what i hate government incentivizing things but sometimes it makes sense in, in areas yeah. like this they're actually because they are incentivizing something as you right. said yeah. they're incentivizing the destruction of these these clothes that yeah. some people could get value from or guess what you could make fewer clothes and just sell the ones yeah but we have to stay on trend yeah. and any time that I want something that's trendy, you know, I talked about my problem with jackets recently. Mm -hmm. I went home and counted them after. I think I only own seven, not the nine that I reported. Okay. Um, <laughs> and I'm donating one this week that I haven't worn in the last 90 days. So um, uh, I'm, just, I'm constantly being conscious of that, right? But um, where was I going with that? I don't know. We Crap. were talking about incentivizing. Right. Yeah, and tre oh yeah, trends. Thank you. Uh, with with the, I was looking at another jacket recently, and it was like they didn't have the one I wanted, the black version of the, like this button up jacket that I wanted, and they had like the cool camouflage color one. It was like gray and black, and I'm like, that's totally in. That's what that's what people are wearing now. Oh, wow. But for me, as soon as I see something that is trendy, yeah. That is a warning sign. Yeah. Don't do the thing that's trendy. Yeah. Because your future self won't be happy about it. Yeah. When you can I tweet that, Jess. When I purchase anything like that, it's 
a jacket specifically, I mean, it's always something I'm like, is this going to look good 10 years from now? Mm. Like, I'm, I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to um, buy something that's cool now. I guess if I did that and then held on to my clothes, I'd have a bunch of like pastel bright colors and from the 90s and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. <laughs> I think it's a really good way to posit it. Will yeah. this be, will this look good? Good. Uh, 10 years from 10 now. 10 years from now. Because often we think like, is this timeless? No, there's no such thing as timeless. Mm. Wear what you're wearing right now back in the 60s and you'd be totally fine. Yeah. You wear what you're wearing right now in the 1460s, they would look at you like you were an insane person. Yeah. And so there's no such thing as, as timeless. Right. It's, uh, it, it's um, maybe a time period in our life mm-hmm. uh life timeless <laughs> is is perhaps a way to to look at it all right so are we re- reaching peak instagram is the question here uh quote i think history has proven itself over and over again that when sameness hits a saturation point it plateaus and that's what i was talking about with these new uh countercultural things you know, there's a brand a clothing brand now called kith You've probably seen it. You've walked past it with me before up on Sunset. And uh, they do all these like collaborations. And and it's what you just said, all these bright sort of colors and real flashy. It's very trendy, right? Mm -hmm. It is a response to this this oversimplification. Mm. It's it's doing uh, the countercultural thing when the whole culture goes to simplifying. uh, You know that when corporations are using simple, simple to sell stuff the counterculture is going to go the opposite way yeah it's going to use ugly typeface it's going to use busyness it's going to use uh different means to communicate right yeah uh all right to get back to the article here um does Andres agree with that this strategy popularized popularized by red antler and its partners but widely copied on instagram is on the way to becoming rote he hints that the key to an effective brand, no matter how simple, is ultimately authenticity. Amen. What the hell does that even mean? What does authenticity mean? It means that if you, I mean, for me, what what this means is that when you are selling a watch, mm. for example, mm-hmm. and you're saying, hey, this watch is handcrafted. There's a lot of detail that goes into this watch. This is the only watch you will need. And if you're looking for a watch, this is your watch. And someone gets that watch and they're like, wow, yes, this actually is really well crafted. Okay. And I can tell that, you know, the attention to detail has been there where what you were saying earlier, unfortunately, is what, what happens most of the time where you buy this really fine, simple handcrafted thing and then you get it and it's a piece of crap. Right. Because it's mass produced and you're, again, you're, you're trying to, uh, you know, buy something that you're just not going to be able to get with that company and or with any other company for that matter. I wonder if he means integrity because what you're describing mm. to me is integrity. That's what I'll, yeah, that's that's exactly what I am. Uh, yeah, a, sim- a similar word would be. Well, I, I, cause I think integrity. I think it's nonsense when, when he says um, authenticity because I don't think I don't think a corporation can be authentic. A corporation, by definition, the corporation's job is to make as much money. Now, a publicly traded corporation goes even farther. It has to. It has a fiduciary responsibility to return money to its stockholders. And so the only way that a corporation, uh, publicly traded specifically, corporation, which, by the way, a corporation is short for 
for-profit corporation. Mm. Nothing wrong with earning money, sure. but we, we need to remember that a corporation's only objective, mm -hmm. a for-profit corporation's only objective is to earn money. Now, that's the only way they can be authentic. I, I think about... Um, Chris D'Elia here. Now, he does this tongue-in-cheek, but every podcast, and when he does his ads, mm -hmm. he has, plays a sound effect of a Brinks truck backing up. Right. And he's like, you think I'm doing this podcast for you? Right. No, I'm doing it for me. I'm trying to back the Brinks truck up and right. get these bags of money. Um, so he's being a bit more authentic. That is authentic. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm thinking about us, dude. Like, we have we have a brand. Yeah. I mean, and, and really, like, this article, to me, doesn't talk against branding as much as it talks about what are you doing with that branding right. and so when i think about us it's like we go way out of our way to have a uh a, a, a nice aesthetic because that we're putting our best foot forward we're trying to communicate with that aesthetic though absolutely absolutely so when people when they buy one of our books mm -hmm. or if they are a patreon uh supporter you know if they're giving money in some way like they are getting something very authentic so they're getting authentic Ryan mm -hmm. and authentic Josh yes there's no such thing as the minimalists authentic no 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 and, and, and I think that that's what I'm trying to differentiate mm. human beings can be authentic uh, a, the only way a corporation can be authentic is to just say hey we're trying to make as much money as possible mm. here uh, and and if you want to say that great now can you can you have integrity? Absolutely. You, you you can make this beautiful thing that does the opposite of what they're talking about here. Remember they said it oversells, under delivers? Yeah. And remember, like back when, when you and I were in the corporate world, the best thing you could do for your boss was to undersell and over deliver. Right. Right. Because, and I think really what we're talking about when we're talking about integrity, integrity means, you know, the, the, it has the same Latin root as the word integer, mm. which means one, which means the whole thing. So integrity just means a wholeness. And the way that a, a company can have a wholeness is when they say, I'm going to sell you this watch and here's what it does. Mm. It's not going to do more than this. It, it, it's honestly what you and I do when we say, hey, the things that add value to our life mm -hmm. add value to our life. Right. But they may not add value to yours. Mm. What about when we, we, so we did, we sold a product. Our first physical good was the packed bag. Yeah. And we, um, we had a lot of reservations about doing it. Yeah. And so the, the way that we sold it was you don't need this bag. Yeah. 99.9% .9 of people seeing this bag, you probably don't need a new bag. However, if you do need a new bag, and you have to be honest with yourself, this is the best travel bag that we have used. Right. It may or may not be the best travel bag that you will use. Here's why it's the best bag that I've used, mm -hmm. and we can go through the reasons. If that sounds appealing to you, then you may want to consider it, but... It's also not going to solve your problems. And by the way, at the end of the day, it's still just a it's just a bag. bag. It could spontaneously combust, and you will be no more complete or incomplete with or without it. Exactly, you'll be just fine without it. Ending out the article here: Is the message true to the product or not? He, there's uh, there's definitely something to be said for brands being disingenuous or not able to fulfill a promise. Maybe it is just a toothbrush. How can you communicate that in a really fun that in a really fun way, and then get out of the way? 
I agree with that. If yeah. it is just a toothbrush, then say it's just a toothbrush. And maybe it's a really beautiful toothbrush. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's that quipped toothbrush uh, that uh, Bex uses, mm-hmm. and she tried to get me to use it. I have a nice, like, Oral-B electric toothbrush that yeah. my dentist recommended. Yeah, I got the Sonicare my dentist recommended. Yeah, Right. And, and, and she's like... And I, I will admit, her toothbrush is more beautiful. Oh, than it mine. looks cool for sure. And they're calling it like the apple of toothbrush. I used it. What a piece of junk! <laughs> like it's better, slightly better than a non-electric toothbrush. Right. But it's like it's it, nothing compared to a a real to an electric actual, toothbrush. Yeah. Yeah. Like they they have they have cornered the disposable electric toothbrush market. And, and by the way, she was using their toothpaste, mm-hmm. and I had to because like, we we have the policy. The I'll tell you policy from our friend Colin Wright. Like yeah. if something's wrong, I had to tell her like, hey, that toothpaste you're using, your teeth are getting a little bit like brownish. Yeah. From using that toothpaste, it is not a good toothpaste. <laughs> Butter and clay is <laughs> not turns out not to. <laughs> Right. Yeah, I don't know what what it is. Right. I, I think it had lead in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's uh, that's that article. Mm. By the way, well, before we we transition to some of these questions, Patreon members, patrons, uh, in the comments on this episode, let us know uh, what would you like to see from Patreon in the future. Not not necessarily in February, but we're we're experimenting with these maximal episodes. We've got some guests coming in. Um, we, we're going to have Rachel Cruz in, Ben Greenfield, Andrew Schultz, um, Paul Jarvis, uh, his book, Company of One. Is he going to be in L.A.? Uh, yeah, he's going to be in June, I think. Oh, cool. Yeah, I think in June. Okay. And uh, uh, Cal Newport, Digital Minimalism, which that book is phenomenal. Check that out. Uh, a bunch of other guests as well we're, we're working on. So we're bringing people in. But as patrons, what would you like to see from us? Like I tried to get on this morning from the app and post a picture just for the patrons. Mm. Uh, I was having trouble with my phone, so I wasn't able to do it. I'll, I'll do it later today probably. But um, I was going to post a silly picture of me and Ella. She's dressed in this like... Uh, we're both doing the duck lips mm. um, and, and doing a selfie together. Yeah. Um, so like just doing like little fun things like that only for patrons. But what things would you like to see? It's, I'd love to know. It's so funny, man, because, you know, just like any other consumer of whether it's products or whether it's entertainment or whether it's information, people, they want us to tell them what they want, man. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Right. I mean, and the problem too is that if we throw out 20 different things, mm-hmm you're going to have 20 different answers on what people want. Right. And, and by the, just because you leave us some, some feedback, you, you can go to the, the comments on this episode or uh, the community tab is where a lot of people are interacting now and you can join folks there. But you're right. You can make a, a dozen suggestions. We're probably not going to take any of them, but, <laughs> but a few might stick out. And yeah, like, we're open We're open to new ideas. There are yeah. ones where I'm like, why didn't I think of that? Yeah. When I get that idea. There are other ones where I'm like, that's a good idea, but it's not right for what we're doing. Like, mm. Someone commented like, hey, can you put everything that the minimalists create, whether it's your YouTube videos or your posts for Instagram, whatever, can you put all that on Patreon? Yeah. And I'm like, because they're like, I hate going to all these other places. It's a great idea. And I think it's a great idea, but I don't want to bombard people with seven emails a day right, either. Yeah. And by the way, if you follow us on Patreon and you are on our email list at theminimalist.com, you're going to get 90% of what we do anyway. Yeah. You might miss an Instagram post or a, a Facebook article or something, but the truth is you're going to get 90% of what we do in just those two places. So if we're trying to simplify things, be a patron. Sign up for our email list at theminimalists.com and you're covered. You're all good. Totally and agree. If you miss out on something, so what? It's okay. Uh, we got some questions here. Uh, I want to introduce a new segment, Ryan. Okay. 
It's called Surprise Questions. Surprise! So Sean has, uh, I think, a couple voicemails, Podcast Sean, that you and I have not reviewed yet. Okay. About branding, nice. or at least adjacent to branding. So let's uh, let's play some of these voicemails, uh, the, these two voicemails, and see what we got. My question for you guys is: uh, it has to do with all these clothing companies and you know other companies coming up, sort of using minimalism as means of advertisement, and uh, it, it kind of has left a, a bad taste in my mouth with regard to you know I, I just see this this movement as sort of something that's been majorly influential and i'm just uh, wondering if you guys had any input on that what do you think about that ryan i think this voicemail is brought to you by the minimalists <laughs> live a minimal life i mean that's what they're doing though right yeah they're trying to sell you minimalism right they're trying to sell you uh a lifestyle uh-huh. and you cannot buy a lifestyle Ooh, i yes, mean you that, can, write that down you can you can buy an aesthetic but I mean, to truly live a simple, deliberate, minimalist, curate, whatever the heck you want to call it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're the minimalists because the domain was available for seven bucks. Right. Um, and the simpletons.com just didn't didn't have <laughs> as good of a ring to it. It's <laughs> our next project once the this simpleton. all fails. But no, I mean, uh, the difference, I think, like, I don't know. I guess what we're doing is we're talking about a philosophy. We're talking about our perspectives um, but we're not claiming that any of it is like this end all be all. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the companies that use minimalism to sell their products, what they are claiming is, is like, if you are a minimalist, you're going to love this. Right. Or if you want to be a minimalist, you need to buy this. And anytime that someone is trying to sell minimalism, well, I know right away that they're, they're being uh, disingenuous. Right. And, and I, that's the thing, which by the way, buy our book, Minimalism. no i the what we try to because here's the thing we i i have issues with a question like this personally because you and i do earn a living from talking about minimalism yeah we never set out to do that but we the reason we're on on patreon is it pays for the studio space it pays for podcast sean and jordan no more doing the film and eventually hopefully it'll pay some money to us as well you know Mm -hmm. part of uh, the money that we earn because we put a lot of time and effort we're being we're being compensated for our own time and effort right and and there's nothing wrong with that where you talked about it being disingenuous is we're not selling a lifestyle to anyone we're helping people understand what the why is. We're hopefully entertaining them enough that they want to come back and listen more, mm-hmm. but we're also educating them in a way. So these brands aren't doing that. They're not entertaining you. They're not uh, educating you. Mm-hmm. They're not providing you necessary information. They're not asking, making you ask important questions. In fact, they want you to, to do the opposite. They don't want you to ask those questions. Yeah. Why have I given so much meaning to all this stuff? If you start asking that question, then you don't need to buy the containers from the container store. You can just get rid of the stuff and not worry about all of those containers. So true, man. Let's I mean, what, let's Chase brings out a good point, man, where he says that they are trying to live out their... Uh, how did he say it? their financial dreams their money dreams their conglomerate dreams whatever it was that he used like that's the problem is that it is a money first attitude right we are not money first right and that goes uh we, people can see that i mean it's it's authentic that we aren't just always putting money first we right. put people first we put ideas uh you know b- before money even uh the problem is when yes these companies when they are a money first corporation like that's 
that's where I have the issue. But you know, that doesn't turn me off to a minimalist life. Right. It just turns me off to people who try to use minimalism to sell a specific product. Just because Mussolini likes scrambled eggs doesn't mean I can't like scrambled eggs right. as well. What's our next question, Sean? Have you ever struggled with getting rid of ugly things and buying pretty things for aesthetics? My husband and I have been on a journey to reduce, recycle, and repurpose things we own for the past two years. We, however, make it, however, struggle with making it look pretty. For instance, it would be easy for us to recycle or throw our old yogurt boxes and buy shiny brand new mason jars for our kitchen storage, but it's not something that's absolutely necessary for us to do. Plus, we wouldn't have used these boxes to the end of their life. Any suggestions? So, yeah, this is something that I struggle with all the time. In fact, uh, I think I talked about this on the Tidying Up episode when you know, Bex owns more stuff than me. Mm. And some of the stuff that she owns is, w- was in a, a, a haphazard, mismatched set of old bins. Mm. And what I realized is she, she, she said it's not completely necessary to replace these yogurt containers for yeah. mason jars. No, m- the things that had value to our life generally aren't completely necessary i put things into three categories Uh, i put it into essential non-essential and junk and what you're talking about right now are replacing some non-essential items in your life Mm -hmm. i don't think there's anything wrong with that if it's going to actually enhance your life that's where you have to be honest is this going to improve my experience of life because for me just replacing these four bins mm-hmm. in and the little storage nook underneath the the stairs um in missoula is like oh like i uh, that makes me feel a whole lot better yeah now going forward the key is to not need seven more storage bins right. and yes i'm consuming far fewer things but it doesn't mean that i need to consume nothing so ask yourself some important questions um is this the best use of this money can i actually afford it and if the answer to those are yes we have five other questions or five total questions for you to ask yourself put a link to that in the show notes uh it's just theminimalists.com slash five, I think, but I might be wrong about that. We'll put a link to it in the Patreon show notes. Yeah. Ryan? Yeah, I just, I think that, you know, when it comes to Gita's question, like she just has to ask why is she getting these items? Because like for me, like the, the coffee cups and the pitcher and the glasses that we have, I could care less what these look like. Mm-hmm. Like they are, they are a vessel for me to have coffee and for to have water. Someone who is a bit OCD, uh-huh. uh, like that's, this matters to you. Right. That doesn't make it right or wrong. Right. It doesn't make me right or wrong. It doesn't make you right or wrong. It is a preferencing. I think that... Actually, I think you're probably more right than me in, in a way where, where these But are, if it's distracting, dude, the problem is is that if we had the steel cups in here and we had the WeWorks mugs <sighs> and I just had like, you know, a cardboard box that I put coffee in right. uh, to hold it. like from Tim Hortons. Right. Like that would be distracting. That yeah. would take away from the the, the, the podcast... Um, episodes you have to get the Tim Hortons like the coffee boxes. <laughs> yeah, 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 dude. Like, like I mean, th- that if you're distracted, you're not going to be able to put your best foot forward when it comes to these conversations, when it comes to these podcasts, when it comes to adding as much value as you can to our audience. That to me, uh, that is yes, like that's a great reason to get something aesthetically pleasing, so you aren't distracted by this 
uh, this difference that you have in your preference for aesthetics. And I don't, I don't try to, you know, go out of my way to be like, oh, you should feel bad, Josh, because you have to have a certain aesthetic. No, I support you on that because I want you to put your best foot forward. So I'm not going to uh, say that my version is better than yours. It just comes down to a matter of preferences. And, and when it comes to Gita, if it's her that the OCD is really killing her uh-huh. and her husband could care less... Like, you know, her husband, yeah, support Gita in getting some matching Tupperware if that's really going to take a load off of her mind. Um, right. Yeah, for me, like you come to our house, dude, we have uh, we have mixed max mason jars slash cups that random people, you know, people have given, given us randomly. Um, I've got not one plate or bowl matches each other. Mm-hmm. There's chips in every single one. Um, our silverware is mismatched. It, it does not bother. If anything, like Mariah and I kind of like that we got this eclectic right. collection of, of dishware. It doesn't keep me up at night. Right. Maybe that's the question. Does it keep you up at night? Yeah. If it is keeping you up at night, ask yourself why it's keeping you up at night. Um, but, you know, just because something keeps you up doesn't keep me up. It doesn't make either of us right or wrong. What what really matters to me with Gita's question is why why is it keeping you up? Is it keeping you up because of what other people think or because of what you think? That's a great, that's a great point. And, and for me, it's because of what I think. I, when you come to my house, bear, I mean, you're one of a handful of people who have ever been to my house, mm-hmm. right? So I'm clearly not buying the stuff there to impress other people. Right. I, it's, it's, I like to surround myself with things that are aesthetically pleasing. I look at this mug, which is made by a company called Not Neutral, and it is... It's a piece of art. I mean, quite literally, it is a piece of art. Uh, it's ergonomic as well. I mean, it's the best mug that I've ever I've ever used. Uh, I was at a coffee shop. <laughs> I don't see that, and that's the difference. I I could not tell you the best mug I've ever used, but I could tell you the best mug you've ever used. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but that's just it. Like that's that's a preference thing, and there's preferences are what makes makes the world go round. And, and ultimately, it's a, it's an aesthetic choice, and 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 yes, it is a preference. Aesthetics matter, but they don't matter that much. Mm. Is is ultimately what I would say. say. Mm. It's not that they don't matter. Uh, at some, but you even you have a threshold, right? Sure. Like if the plate's broken in half, you're like, oh, I'm just gonna. Now I have two plates. No, you, <laughs> 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 now I've got two saucers. <laughs> right, right. So, so I think well, our friend Rob Bell has has this little point about um, uh, st- nature. Like the most beautiful flowers, they're there to attract the bees. Mm-hmm. Right, and so surrounding ourselves with beautiful objects can be helpful. They're just not the point. The beauty of the flower is not the point. Mm. It's just attractive so that you can get to the point. All right, let's move into some of these uh, Patreon questions, patron questions here from from you, the patrons. Beth asks, "What are ways to tell if a company slash brand aligns with your values? Since not all companies are upfront." with their practices, i.e. testing on animals, using child labor, etc. Dude, this is this is a tough question for me, man, because there's a lot of cognitive dissonance that happens with with me and, and products. Because if I look at just lap let's just go with laptops, right. with computers, they're horrible for the environment. Mm-hmm. Slaves build them mm-hmm. pennies on the dollar. Mm-hmm. And then we pay thousands of dollars for these things. I mean, if I really look at what goes into making a laptop, the, the, the resources it takes, the people that make it, the waste that it produces, um, I wouldn't own a laptop. Right. But there is a certain, again, cognitive dissonance I have to have in order to have a laptop so we can do what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, 
I, I think you can do a really good job of it. Um, but going back to what you said at the beginning of this show, man, when you consume less, you produce less waste. Uh-huh. And, and to me, like that is this middle ground. Because yes, if I really look into every single product I have and the slave labor that it was put together and the waste that it's producing in, in the environment, well, then I might just go live in a tent in the middle of the woods and never talk to anybody. And that's that's not adding any value. Right. Well, I say change the controllables. And so some of these things, I very rarely do we buy things that are made with slave labor. Um, yeah. But, but, but pennies on the dollar, it might as well be slave labor. Sure, sure. I, I just, there are... Uh, non not ideal circumstances. Yeah. I, I think about when we made when we made the bag, mm-hmm. like we had to have people go out to the factory and check it and make sure. We ended up changing countries. Initially, we were going to make the bag in China. Yeah. Now here, th- here's the thing: people make stuff in China not because it's cheaper to make stuff there. It's actually not cheaper to make stuff there anymore. Um, you go to China because the factory system that's set up there mm-hmm. is more elaborate than pretty much anywhere else in the world. We ended up uh, making the bag in Vietnam, uh, but we did so in a factory that pays f- fair wages locally, and yeah. it increased the, the price of the bag significantly as a result. We went out of our way to, to, to source the material, right? to source the packaging. Mm-hmm. Like I wish every company would do that, but I know that when you and I went to... Uh, you know, basically support this product um, that 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 we partnered with with Malcolm Fontier to make. I mean, th- this was something that we all agreed on. Like, hey, if we're going to do this bag, like we're not going to just try and make a bag as cheap as possible and then sell it for as much profit. Mm-hmm. It's like, how can we make this bag as inexpensive as possible, but with these parameters of source material or, or sustainably source material, low packaging. Um, yes. No plastic. No plastic. Yes. A, a a company that treats its factory workers well. Mm-hmm. Um, those were the those were our initial standards. Yeah. And we were still able to make some money off the bag. We could have made a lot more money off the bag if we would have taken that approach, though. Yeah. Take all the little shortcuts. Now, what you're saying is, so find companies with higher standards, mm-hmm. and that takes a little bit of research. Yeah. And and that means doing some research before you buy. I'll give you an example. The shirt I'm wearing, the, the, the pants I'm wearing, and the socks I'm wearing are all made in America. So buying locally or semi-locally you know, mm-hmm. in your country tends to Ooh. do two things. It puts money back into your local or national economy, mm-hmm. but also buying something that is made in America because there are particular labor, labor laws here yeah. that prevent you know, the sort of uh, indentured servitude that you might see in Bangladesh or in other countries yeah. uh, and, or happening in China and a lot of the, the, the factories there. Well, the other thing you get too, like when you go after those types of products with those standards, like you are you're usually shopping at an independently owned place. It's like Walmart compared to an independently owned place. Like I would much rather go to someone who like, that's their passion. Mm -hmm. Like they, they're, they so hand stitch every, you know, pair of jeans and, you know, they tailor them to you to fit. It's not like going and buying this, this stuff that is made on, on mass quantity. I'm not talking bad about Walmart or anyone who works at Walmart. I'm just saying that there there is two different feelings when I, you know, buying a pair of jeans from Walmart versus like going to an independent uh, retailer that that has a passion for what they're actually selling. And what you're talking about is buy alternatives when there are alternatives. Right. Your your MacBook that you own, the alternative is 
Nothing. Is another like Microsoft laptop that is built in oh, most yeah. likely the same conditions, right? right. And, and so um, if there is a, uh, a reasonable alternative, because there are actually some phones that you can buy now where it's like the Freedom Phone or whatever, but it, it may, I think that's what it's called. I, I don't remember. What, but, is it, what is the Freedom Phone? Um, where it's made... You know, by by people who are paid a higher wage, uh, okay. um, but it, it doesn't work as well because it's not as it's not as perfected, right? It's right. not, and and so um, if there is a reasonable alternative, and many times the, the alternative is actually better. The pants I'm wearing are a company called Mission Workshop, and it's one of my favorite companies because they make they make. Uh, they, by the way, it has a lifetime guarantee, mm. um, and I've sent in a pair of pants before because a zipper broke, and they're like, yeah, well continue to repair it and if we can't repair it we'll replace it uh and then companies like patagonia will do do similar things as well mission workshop makes their stuff in the united states and so you also get that extra level so ultimately it's about okay knowing about knowing about the companies you're buying from knowing if there is an alternative and then just realizing you're it's you're never going to be perfect the question is how do i move closer to perfect Right. Right. Uh, also, uh, Colin Wright has this article about consumption. I don't really have time to read the whole thing, but I want to read one line from it because I thought it applied here. We'll put a link to it in the Patreon show notes. We cannot necessarily change the foundational nature of this system, the sort of capitalist system that we're in right now, mm-hmm. at least not on any predictable time horizon. But we can decide to use it for its upsides and to counteract to the best of our abilities its downsides. It is possible, for instance, to become more aware of these levers of power and the way value flows through the economic system and use that knowledge to apply leverage where we think it's best spent. So three words there that perfectly sum up the answer to this question from Beth. Hmm. Become more aware. Yeah. And that's going to require a little bit of work and cerebration on your part. It's interesting too, man, because I mean, you could get kind of, kind of get caught in the weeds, right? How so? Well, let's say someone like uh, you who consumes very deliberately. Uh Let's say you try to be more deliberate with it. I mean, it's, there's a balance, right? Right. It's getting as close to what, what, I think this is a, a Seth Godin thing, as close to perfect as possible without seeking perfection. Yeah, uh, he talks about that with respect to things that you create. Like, be willing to publish even though the things never going to be perfect. I think be willing to consume even though you're not consuming the perfect thing. You've done your due diligence. But you can. It's okay to have a, a deadline and say, I'm going to make this decision within 30 days yeah. or 60 days or whatever. End of this article. He he talks about, but that doesn't mean we can't amplify our halfway. So it's almost always hi- hyperbole or sh- a straight up lie. When a corporation tells us that buying a particular product will make us happy or complete. Yeah. But that doesn't mean we can't amplify our happiness and fulfillment via the resources we spend. I love this next line, Ryan. The units of value we allocate toward important causes, creators, and culture. We're not spending money. We're spending units of value. That's all these these green bills are in my pocket. Mm-hmm. And they are units of value. They represent the value that we think we're going to get when we buy the book or the coffee mug or the t-shirt or the mattress. They're just units of value. And I'm, am I, are, is this the best use 
of these units of value? Mm. If not, what is a better use for this money? Um, He, at the very end of this says, it does mean, however, that the intention behind that spending and the consequences of how we apply our financial leverage can often be more important than than what we're paying for. Products and services that might be nice and enjoyable and even wonderful, but which are seldom unto themselves meaningful. Yeah. That is the key. Products have only the meaning we give to them. They might be useful. Mm -hmm. They might help augment our life. I've been trying to teach this to Ella recently, Ryan, um, because she'll say, I love this dress, or uh, I love this game or this toy, this widget. I love, and, and finally I have her saying I enjoy it. Yeah. As opposed to, I love it. Yeah, it's one of those colloquialisms that sneak in. We use it and we don't even realize yeah. like what we're actually saying. And, and so I, I've been telling her about love people use things and, and, oh, you love your mom. You love me. You love your friend, Ariella, who I keep accidentally calling Ariola, which is confusing to everyone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, you you love people, right? And it's important to love people because love mm. is boundless. Your stuff is finite. Mm. Your love is infinite. I, I love this last paragraph by uh, uh, Colin. It's right after what you just read. Consider for a moment what you'd like to see more of in the world. Then consider how you might help make that a dream, a reality, by purposefully utilizing whatever economic power you command. And that's what it comes down to for me, man. It doesn't matter the you know, for me, it doesn't matter the coffee mug that I use. It doesn't matter the type of car that I use. What matters is, is what am I, what do I want to see in the world and how am I uh, adding to what I want to see? Mm. Yes, indeed. Our next question is from Tiernan. I'm currently building a, a business, a small nonprofit. Congrats. Now, right now, our quote brand is just in the mix of shared values and voice between my co-founder and me. How do you transition from an accidental brand to an intentional brand that can begin to stand on its own and include new people? I think for me, you have to be really clear. Uh, I I look at a a graph sort of, if you're watching this on video, I'll just draw this real quick. You have like a target. If you're just listening to this, picture a target, right? Mm -hmm. And there are these concentric circles all the way out and it can keep going out, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Now, Ryan, you and I can go talk to a corporation or a church or a nonprofit or whomever tomorrow, and we can deliver a, a 90-minute talk if we want, yeah. right? Yeah. That's this outer circle, This, if, if you're looking at this on the camera. that's just, that's Here's the 90-minute talk. But ultimately, what is our talk about? It's right here in the middle. Mm-hmm. Living a meaningful life with less. Yeah. I can say it in one sentence. Yeah. And from there, I can say it if we're on the Today Show for three and a half minutes, I have a three and a half minute description of living a meaningful life with less. I also think it's important for you to understand what your values are. Uh, You individually, but then what are the values or what you might say the mission of your business? And it sounds so cliche Uh to be like, what's your mission statement? Right. But it's important, man. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's a cliche for a reason, right? You're right. I think we get lost in the... Our mission is to, bl- and then you throw a lot of fluffy, flowery words in there. Yeah, they uh, mean nothing. It, 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 right. It, it's often so bland that you're like, 
I couldn't repeat that back. Like I couldn't tell you when we worked for Cincinnati Bell, like what was their mission statement? It was always changing. I, I don't remember. I don't think they ever had one consistent mission statement. Right, and I, I but I created one for our region of stores, if you remember, and I put yeah. it up on all like the the conference room doors. It was a one page. You could put it on one page. Yeah. Here's what our mission is. And now we can say it in one sentence. Right. And, and I mean, and maybe that's that's how you get you know, to answer this question, like. How do you get a consistent brand that uh, can include new people? Like, figure out the shortest way you can communicate what you want your business to put out into the world, mm-hmm. and let let it be that. It doesn't have to be a ten page document or even a ten paragraph thing. It, and can it might be start one off, sentence. It might start yeah. off with a ten page document. Yeah. In fact, that might be really helpful for you. And then just keep cutting and cutting and cutting because you can expand before you before you subtract because you can get down to the essence if right now you're like what's the one sentence that, that defines us you might not know but that 10 pages might produce something yeah and and then you can you can figure out what is appropriate and then get get really clear on what your values are as well go back and listen to episode 69 of our regular podcast the values podcast and if you want to do a checklist of values uh, my wife rebecca her um Website is minimalwellness.com slash values. She has a, a values checklist over there. All right. Uh, Gillette says, what's your... No, that's for products. That's for next week. Branding. Branding, branding. Jenny? Nope, nope. Here we go. Uh, let's go to Hetty's question. Hetty Stern. Question about creating a personal brand. When curating my social media profiles... How can I have meaningful conversations about stigmatized topics such as mental illness without opening myself up to discrimination by future employers? Uh, you can make it private. I mean, one of the things that, that's nice about this whole Patreon thing is it's a private podcast. And uh, the the people who are here, we're, we're, we actually, Ryan and I have been talking about potentially even capping the number of patrons that we have here at like 6,000 or something. Like what What's the ideal, what's the ideal group of people? What's the small group of people that we can continue to have these private conversations in front of mm. so that um, we need, th- these are, private conversations that we'd have with understanding people who are friends and Ryan and I disagree about stuff and you probably disagree with us about stuff but you still give us the space the leeway and so the way to curate is find the people who will give you the space and the leeway to talk about these things without adding to the recreational systematic outrage that social media produces yeah it's funny too man like I I would just recommend like just be yourself and if you get discriminated against by a future employer for being yourself, mm. well then fuck them. You don't want to be with them anyways. If they right. can't accept you for who you are. It's like as the minimalists, let's say, uh, you know, the minimalists dissolve and it's illegal to now talk about minimalism and we have to go back to the, you know, nine to five world. Being one of the minimalists is certainly going to have some, uh, it's going to carry a certain stigma with it. There might be a little bit of discrimination with it, but it, for me, it's, that's a good thing. It's because like people know who I am and what I'm about. You weed them out in a way. Right, exactly. The only time that being yourself goes wrong is when yourself doesn't align with who the person you want to be. Right. So I, when I was 18 years old, I, uh, I was at the Dayton Mall and I stole a necktie for a job interview. <laughs> and Dude, uh, that's, I don't think I ever remember you stealing anything growing up. Yeah, I, well, I stole a necktie, uh, an ugly yellow necktie for a job interview at Elder Beerman's. Rest wow. in peace, Elder Beerman's. Uh, and I got arrested. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
You've actually had handcuffs on you before? Oh, yeah. They took me into the Miamisburg oh police station. Oh, my God, dude. Yeah. I've never had, never had <laughs> handcuffs on me. Knock on wood. Yeah, I was 18 years old, too, so wow. I was an adult. Wow. Like, I had just turned 18. Oh, like, dude. Like, the month before. Less than a month before. Oh. And um, I, I stole this necktie, so I go on this job interview. And um, I ended up getting the job because, like, yeah, it's not on my record yet. Uh, and, but... They yeah they they arrested me and eventually let me go and uh, over time I got it expunged but that wasn't the person I wanted to be no. that I'm 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 not proud of of doing of doing that yeah now I can look back now and say man that was so stupid I can't can't believe I did that's not who I am but it was me being me at the time what I thought I needed to do mm-hmm. but if you know what's right and wrong do the right thing. That's how you can be yourself. Yeah. And I was doing the wrong thing. I had to go to court for it. I had to pay all these fines. I had to go back to court to get it expunged eventually. And and man, it's not something I'm proud of, but I'm imperfect. I'm flawed. It's not even something I, I talk about in public. Um, but this is this is Patreon, so we, we can talk about things like this. We all do things that we're not proud of, mm. but we can also own it. And if someone were to come to me, a, a potential employer, and say, hey, uh, 20 years ago, you stole a necktie. Yeah, I did. And mm-hmm. I can explain it. And and uh, what's Charlemagne say? Uh, live your truth so no one can use it against you. Yeah. And if you're living your truth, mixed with the truth, there, there are two types of truth, right? Sure. Or uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, there are three types of truth. There's the facts, right? The truth, truth. There's individual subjective truth. Like, like uh, this coffee tastes delicious is truth for me it's a personal truth mm. and then there are political truths right which you know yeah. are or opinions basically <laughs> right yes yeah. and, and so there are uh, opinionated truths right yeah. and you might be ashamed of something that you're doing right now stop doing that thing mm-hmm. and that's what i had to do Ooh. in order to change my life i think that's it man do not do things that you're ashamed of What's your future self going to be a right. proud of? If you're doing something that, yeah, your future self is going to be ashamed of, then that's that's where you can definitely go wrong. Do you want to read Bridget's question, Ryan? I didn't. I didn't copy that page. Bridget Loudon says, "Branding nowadays, running a small business isn't just selling your service or product, but selling yourself as part of the quote brand." Now you're saying nowadays, but I hmm. think I think. That's always been the case. Well, let's talk about it. I, I see why it's more it's more prevalent. It's more you know, sort of customer facing, as they say. Uh, but you're always your own brand. I think when you and I were working in telecom, you become the face of the company yeah. if you're customer facing, right? Yeah. So she said, "I run a small photography business, and because of that, rejoins I rejoined social media a couple of years ago." I'm all for authenticity and putting my voice out there as a way to attract ideal clients, but I resent the pressure within the small business community to constantly share my personal life on social media to help generate traffic and or clients. I've often heard Josh say, you're a person, not a brand. Mm. Uh Any advice on how to cultivate a brand without feeling like the brand? But in a way, you if you're putting your personage out there, you, you, you are the brand is what I, what I would say. Um, or perhaps ways to strengthen boundaries around myself and titrate how much I let in out while still remaining vocal and active enough to stay in business. Here's the question I have for you, Bridget. How much is Instagram paying you? (laughs) 
to post that photo of you or your brand or your personal life? How much is Facebook paying you for that Facebook Live session? How much is Twitter posting you to tweet? They're not. So you need to get uh, some sort of other value. What was the, the term that... That Colin used here, Ryan, he said units of value. Yeah. What are the units of value you're getting? From the yeah, from these interactions. And it sounds to me like right now you're not getting them. So you can do one of two things. You can remove yourself from it, read digital minimalism. Yeah. You will love that book. We're gonna have Cal Newport on here as well. Um let me say you'll love the experience of reading the book. Is is uh you'll enjoy the book. Yeah. Is it out yet? Yeah. February 5th it came out. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so definitely check that out. Um, and in fact, I think we have, uh, he's sending us a few copies so we can give some to podcast Sean and Jordan no more, but we'll, we'll give out a couple on the podcast as well. Um, but so, so, so read that book. You'll, you will get immense value from it. Read the physical book itself or the ebook. Uh, you'll get more value from that than the audio book. If you want to couple it with the audio book, I think that's fine, but, but read the actual book. It is great. It is a uh, case study, 1600 people and how they can more effectively use social media or not use it at all. But then ask yourself this question. How can I get value from this? I still get immense value from Twitter, so I still use it. Mm -hmm. I don't, I get less value from it on my phone, so I don't use it on my phone. Mm -hmm. I rarely use Instagram. I think maybe I've posted one picture in the last month or two. Mm -hmm. Um, I used to feel, I tested it out for a while and I just don't get as much value from it. We do get value from using it as a communication tool, a broadcasting tool though, as the minimalist. So me personally, I don't do it. But what we do is we take our words, our essays, our minimal maxims, and couple them with beautiful photography to inspire other people. That's how we get units of value from it because they're not paying us any money and we're not using it to to sell all birds or Casper mattresses use this discount code or something. And so how do we get value from it? That's how how we do it. Uh, You can also go back and look to see how the minimalists are using social media, theminimalists.com slash SM. We'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. I mean, Bridget, I would just tell you, really get clear on what adds value to your business. And yes, uh, your business is going to have a brand. And you've got to ask yourself, like, am I doing genuine things or disingenuous or am I being disingenuous? I mean, dude, uh, when it comes to Twitter, like I don't use it as much as you, I have less followers than you. That's okay. Like if I was up at night being like, Oh man, Josh has got like 6,000 more followers than me or 8,000 more followers than me. And if I was more active on Twitter, I could have more followers like that. Uh, to me, that's the wrong reason to tweet more. Right. Now, if Gaining I'm like... followers is a bad reason right, to do anything. Exactly, yeah. So, so Bridget, just get clear on why it is you're feeling these pressures. Um, you know, I don't post a lot of pictures of Mariah. I am not like... I, Mariah and I's relationship I talk about. I really like, um, you know, referencing our relationship. But for all intents and purposes, I keep 90% of our relationship private. Mm. Because I don't, there's nothing about the minimalists, there's nothing about me that wants to bring in the world into this private relationship. So no, I don't post a ton of stuff with Mariah. You, uh, you I don't talk hide ab- it either. You, you, right. you share it when it serves the greater good. Yeah, but sometimes, you know, I'll see s- someone, you know, post these pictures, you know, of their partner with these long love letters to their partner and stuff. And I'm like, oh, that's really sweet. And then I might feel a little pressure to do that, but... Then I've got to catch myself and be like, wait, wait, just like with Mother's Day, mm. why am I feeling this pressure? Right. Oh, it's because someone else did this. 
it's making me feel like I have to do that. I mean, that to me, that's the wrong, that's being disingenuous. So maybe use social media as a way to add value to other people's lives. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, you might gain more followers, more traction in your business, et cetera. But if you can't use it to add value to people's lives, or if it's just not the best way for you to add value to other people's lives, it's okay to not be on it at all. There are plenty of people who run successful businesses who have never, ever used social media, and that is okay. And I think that is a great place to end it today. Looking forward to your comments on Patreon. You guys are awesome. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you for supporting us. Yes. We are grateful. Sean's kids are grateful. Jordan (laughs) No More is grateful. They can finally get those new shoes they need. (laughs) (laughs) I've got an idea about those. I'll talk to you about it after the podcast, Sean. (laughs) All right, y'all. That's it for today. Love people, use things. We'll see you next time. See you later. Bye. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Every little thing that you gotta have Every little thing that you gotta have You gotta reach for and you gotta grab Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it so take your eyes away Or take